Katie Orr. <laughs> hey, Jim. How you doing? Great. How are you? Good. good. Uh, I'm glad you could join us. This is Jim English, and welcome to my podcast called The Who Gives a Shit Files. And the name of this podcast is called The Pioneer, because that was what Katie Scales Orr was, in my opinion. And I'm going to, uh, before we let Katie talk, I'm going to add a little context here. <laughs> First of all, I got to know Katie and a bunch of other fellows got to know her at the Live Oak Courts in Manhattan Beach, which is a legendary place to play basketball. People have known about Live Oak for generations of basketball players. I mean, some of the people that played there when Katie and I were there playing was, was Paul Westfall, was Drew Rogers, 6'6", 240, played at Kansas, Randy Larson, and we dedicate all of our NBA podcast to Randy Larson, who played at Stanford. There was Barry Gale. There was Howie Long, who played for the defensive tackle for the Raiders. There was Rusty Russell, who played offensive tackle for the Raiders. There was Dale Carter-Moore, who played for the Nuggets. There was Dave Wall, who played in the NBA for about five years and maybe six years. Then he was a head coach and an assistant coach for over 20 years in the NBA. There was Pat Mullen, who played at University of Connecticut. There was Jeff Emery, who was one of the best basketball players down there. Tom Finks, William and Mary, a legendary, a legendary pickup basketball player in Southern California. And Katie, am I forgetting anybody that I should I should name? I um I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. I think you named quite a few. Okay. So there were hundreds you know, maybe 100, 150 basketball players who used to play down there regularly, pros, college, and high school. And then it was like me, who never even played high school. And there were a ton. Tom Lee listens to this podcast religiously, so I'll have to put in a plug for Tom Lee. And so we all used to go down and play there. And this was a sea of testosterone. This was a tsunami of alpha males with one exception. Okay, there was one female that played basketball with all of us who was respected, who was accepted. I mean, in the midst of all these excellent basketball players, and they were all male, was Katie Scales, who is now Katie Orr. So that's why I'm having her on the show. And that's why we call the this episode The Pioneer, because that is what she was. So, Katie, why don't you give us your background, please? Um, okay. Um, well, I'll just start with... Uh my basketball background. So I played um, basketball at a little tiny high school in Moorpark, California. We were um, 
not a good basketball team. <laughs> I think we won one game my junior year. Um, but I love to play. And then, um, my dad lost his job right before my senior year in high school. And I moved to Manhattan beach and I moved from a very tiny little high school with, you know, no basketball program to speak of. And then I ended up at a division one, uh, high school, Miracosta in Manhattan beach. They actually had won um, CIF the year before. And um, I was introduced to the basketball coach by the volleyball coach because <laughs> I didn't really understand what a volleyball mecca that Manhattan Beach was. And I went out for the volleyball team, but with no experience. So <laughs> the volleyball. Did you make coach, the volleyball team? I did not. The, the coach uh -huh. said if I were younger. I would have made the team, but she uh -huh. asked me if I played any other sports. I told her I played basketball. She made the introduction to the basketball coach. And all of a sudden I was transferring into seventh period, which was basketball, you know, practicing with the team and such. And I ended up starting um, for that team my senior year. And, and you're, Kate, sorry to interrupt. So no you're... You're five ten, uh, five nine and a half. Yep. And so you show up for basketball practice on I a did. team that had just won CIF. Yeah. And were you were you nervous? Were you upset? I mean, what what was going through your mind when all of a sudden, you know, you're in a new school, you're trying to make friends. And all of a sudden, you're introduced to a championship basketball team. How was the? How were those first couple of weeks? Well, I um, I was super excited, but I I yeah, I was nervous too, um, because one of the things was although I had natural ability, I I had never really received um, high quality coaching, so I didn't know how to shoot. <laughs> I was um, I was really good on defense and rebounding. And, but I shot, my shot was horrible. I shot, I, I, I pulled the basketball back behind my head to shoot, which is not what one would want to do. <laughs> um, and the coach caught it right away. She, she fixed my shot super quickly and she must have um, seen something in me because um, I, I ended up starting that year and actually to my my best high school friend to this day we're still dear friends um she, i probably sort of took her position um who's that <laughs> who's that who's your best um, high her, school friend her, well her name was nancy basilla back then but now she's nancy finnegan and um okay. she um she was not too pleased because i think i kind of took her spot but um, I played forward that year and a little bit of center even. Um, uh -huh. And because I was good at the post. And um, yeah, we had a great season. And my coach was amazing. Sylvia Hawley was my coach. And um, she, are you still in touch with her? She actually died a few years ago, but I had. Oh, I'm been, sorry to hear that. Thank you. I had mm. kept in touch with her, though. 
Um, and um, yeah, she was amazing. So that, yeah. How did how did you guys do that year? We went to quarterfinals and we lost to Modern Day, which was oh gosh, yeah. So, but it was a good game, and and um, so we did well. We just um, lost in quarterfinals. How did you do? Did you score a lot of points? I of was um, I was all league. I was chosen all league. Whoa. Uh -huh. Um, and yeah, and it just, it, I, I, at that point, and I was young too. Um, I was only, I had just turned 17 when I graduated from high school. So, um, I, I just loved basketball. All I wanted to do was play basketball <laughs> and, um, yeah. And then I went to El Camino, the local junior college there. Uh-huh played my freshman did year. You, and did you did you try out for that team or I did did they recruit you? Uh-huh. I tried out for and that how, team. And how did you do there? I did, El Camino. Um I did well there. Um I only ended up playing one year because right after my freshman season I was playing pickup ball. Um because at that point in time I had already started playing at um I played, um, I did open play at Redondo High School. I played at Manhattan Heights Park and I had started playing at Live Oak Park um, by that point. And um, I was playing pickup ball and I, I tore uh, two ligaments in my knee and had surgery right after my freshman oh. season. Yeah, that wasn't so fun. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, I had already started playing at Live Oak by that point. Um, in fact, I would walk on my crutches. I was, I was on crutches for eight weeks and I would walk a, probably about three quarters of a mile on my crutches to go shoot baskets on one leg with, uh, my other leg in a full cast. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you were dedicated, and I know. Oh, yeah. She, and for the audience here is like I know, uh, I I know the background of Katie. So we're like educating you guys. So, um, that, but some of these are surprises. Like, you know, this is like the old story of somebody walking ten <laughs> miles in the snow barefooted, you know, to go to school, and you you walked a mile on crutches to shoot baskets on one knee. That is dedication, Katie. I'm <laughs> impressed. I have a funny story, Jim, about my surgeon, um, Dr. Lombardo, who was the surgeon for the Lakers, um, which I would never have known to go to him except that they recommended him at, um, the, uh, the trainers at El Camino recommended him to me. But um, when I was, when I went in for my appointment, um, I couldn't walk. I mean, cause I tore two of my ligaments completely in half and the doctor comes into the room and he, he looks at me and he says, I know you. And I was like, huh? And he goes, you play basketball at live Oak park. And I said, yeah. And he goes, you blocked my shot. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Oh, 
and he was I love it. there. He was not a regular there, but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I was playing with Randy and and Joel. Okay. And we'll, we're going to get into that story. I love this, by the way. I, by the way, I went to Dr. Lombardo for my ankle. Oh, and he was yeah, awesome. So I, huh? He, he was, was awesome. awesome. He was not, he, you know, when he was, when he was looking at my ankle, he goes, I have to be honest with you, son. You got some, you have some uh, arthritis, but I'm not really impressed. You ought to get back out in the basketball court. He was basically saying, you're a hypochondriac. Get the hell out of my office. And I need to work on somebody like Katie Scales who's got a real big problem. Okay. Okay. So you, so you had your, you were on crutches. You had your surgery. Did Dr. Lombardo do your surgery? He did my surgery. Yeah. And it, uh, I was, yeah. And I went to, you know, months of physical therapy and all that. And, um, did, so you went back, once again, audience, I know the background of this. So how did you end up at Arizona State getting a full ride, gang, a full ride? How did that happen? Well, um, so I had, so I had my first surgery. That was my first surgery. And then about a year later, I tore my medial meniscus and I had a second surgery which I again rehabbed from after I rehabbed from that surgery and I had continued to go to school at El Camino, but not playing basketball, obviously. Um, I um, decided to apply for a transfer and my goal was to, to play basketball. And um, so I applied to, San Diego State University, and um, I actually came down here, which is where I live now, San Diego, um, and took a tour of the campus, that sort of thing. I applied to ASU. Um, I went to ASU and auditioned for the team, mm -hmm. um, and then I was offered a full ride, which yay. So, so how long? trying out for the team how long was it between knee surgeries like so it was a year after your knee surgery two years uh, it was about um let's see i had my first surgery the spring of my freshman year in college and then about a year later i tore my meniscus so it was it was probably like a year after that that i was applying you know, for, or trying to get a scholarship. So, um, yeah. So, so tell, so you, you, you apply, you get accepted to Arizona state, which makes yeah. you a sun devil. Yeah. So you walk into the gym for your tryouts. Yeah. And how many people were there? Oh gosh. Um, a, a lot like, maybe two dozen yeah easy two dozen mm -hmm. yeah and so and did they have you play ball is that what they did yeah we played we played so we, it was a scrimmage uh, we scrimmaged we did some drills um yeah we played and did you expect 
going into it, first of all, to get a scholarship? I don't think I expected to get a scholarship, but I sure hoped to get a scholarship. My goal at that time was to, to like my dream was to go to the Olympics someday. But really, yeah, that was my dream. But how great! I mean, this is so great to see your dedication to basketball. I mean, it's just I'm just tickled to death. So, <laughs> okay, so you you try out for the team, you scrimmage, you do drills. Yeah. And after you ran through all those drills, you expect somebody to get a wait a second. Forget about that question. So somebody <laughs> walked up to you, the coach, an assistant coach, somebody walked up to you and had a discussion with you. And how did that discussion go? Um, my memory is a little vague, but um, I do remember the coach. So the coach, she was new to the school. Um, and um, she was actually she had played on in the olympics and i believe in 1976 she played in the olympics and this was like 1979 so uh, this is like very early on in like title nine all that kind of stuff and um she offered me a full ride and i was <laughs> like I was out of my mind excited. I thought, you know, this is going to be my dream. This is my dream come true. Um, like I thought, you know, it was the most awesome thing in the world. Well, I mean, so you, you know, I mean, yours wasn't like a, a straight line meteoric rise to his full ride. No. At a <laughs> yes. I mean, you took a left turn at Moore Park. You took a right turn at, at, uh, at Miracosta. You had two surgeries, knee surgeries, and then you kept practicing. You kept rehabbing and ended up with a full ride. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a great story. Yeah. And I'm sure all my playing against the guys at the park <laughs> really helped my game because I, I started well, we're, down there when I was 17. So <laughs> we're going to talk all about that after we set the context. So what happened um, at ASU? So you came in as a sophomore? Or a um, no, I was a junior. I had completed, you know, two years of academics at El Camino. So mm -hmm. I went in as a junior. And so I had, I believe I had three years of eligibility left because I only did play that one year at El Camino. So, mm -hmm. um, so I went in as a junior and um, we started practicing. I met my teammates. Um, I was away from home for the first time. Um, and at first it was awesome. And very quickly, I was actually, I wasn't a starter, but I was first person off the bench, um, usually. Um, 
but pretty quickly I started um, having trouble because my coach, and this is the first I had ever experienced anything like this. Actually, the only time I had experienced anything like this, I coaches and teachers tended to love me because um, I was super, like, I was super excited and super hard worker and um, yeah vivacious enthusiastic yeah fun to be around yeah, you're all those things I know that <laughs> so anyway this particular coach's style did not work well for me um and some of the other players as well but um she just what it was just negative 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 and um she was doing two a day practices and it and berating me and some others as well and um truly abusive um emotionally abusive uh, and yeah so I, um, I had a hard time, but I kept playing. I, 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 I thought about quitting, but I, I couldn't like my own work ethic couldn't let me do that. Um, but my dad, my dad was very worried about me. He, he actually wrote a letter to the, um, athletic director <laughs> and good for um, him. Yeah. Good for him is right. And then I also started seeing um, a counselor there at school who worked with the athletes and mm -hmm. um, he was wonderful and really helpful. And at later in the year, still during the season, um, because of, I think because of what I told the counselor who was, you know, because he worked with all the athletes or lots of the athletes. Um, she, the coach was actually ordered to, to go see him as well. Really? And, yeah. <laughs> and um, many, many, many years later, I actually was able to go back and um, say hello and thank that counselor and um, he told me that she was the most abusive coach that he had ever seen. Really? Yeah. And he worked, he, he worked at ASU for a, a really long time with, yeah. So, how, so that how validated you... my um, experience. You know, it wasn't just me being sensitive or whatever. So um so I was actually offered a, a full ride again the following year, but I declined and um, came, went home. But I did complete the year there. You know, there is no way that being a, you know, in once again with all these guys, I mean, a <laughs> hundred guys yeah. and being the only girl that played consistently at all. I mean, I never, I was at Live Oak from 81 till 88. I used to go up there and play. And yeah. you're the only female I ever saw play 
Ever. I was the only female I ever saw play <laughs> the whole time I was there. <laughs> and, and you know what's funny about that is there is no way people that you could endure that. And I want to talk about that experience in a minute. <laughs> but there is no way you could endure that and be like overly sensitive. True that. Or, True that. <laughs> you know, I mean... If anybody thinks, oh, she was, you know, she was just a candy ass crybaby, that <laughs> is not the case. I'm telling you, she played with professional football players and basketball <laughs> players. And, you know, not only that, you know, 5'9 is pretty tall for a girl back then, 5'10, but it wasn't anything at Live Oak. I mean, no. we had 6'7, six, 6'8, six, 6'9, six, you know, yeah. we had. You know, um, Kurt Rambis and March Landsberger would come down and Tyson or uh, Kevin Ty, 6'10". I mean, there were big guys down there. There were. So there's no way that you did this because you weren't tough. You know, obviously <laughs> the coach was abusive. So this is what I, okay, this is the point of it. And it's funny, we're 25 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> but um, I wanted... I want to find out when did you first start playing with boys? Um, at Live Oak. Um, really? Yeah. I, I should have meant that. So when did you start playing with men then? Well, true. So yeah. you were playing with men. I was. I was. Um, yeah. I. Um, but I didn't just like go start playing because it was totally intimidating. Because um, I was a 17-year-old kid. And... So there were four, there were two full courts at Live Oak. So there, three of the half courts were taken up by three on three play. And there was a top yes. court and a middle court and a bottom court. And then there was one half court left free um, to shoot around. And so I would go down to that court and shoot. And I just would shoot and watch... I would shoot and watch <laughs> and um, hoping that maybe by some miracle I would um, be asked to play at some point in time or be brave enough to ask if I could play. But um, yeah, so I don't know how long I had been gone, going down there shooting quite a while. Uh -huh. but, um, uh -huh. Yeah. So do you know the story because now, more context for the listeners here. You know, if you've listened to my podcast, you know that Super Dave, Dave Siminski, and I dedicate our NBA podcast to Randy Larson, who was my roommate, and he ran the show at Live Oak. He took 100 players or, you know, probably 50 because there were two, you know, people came down in the afternoon and in the morning, they kind of split it up into two sessions. And he would take players and he would assign them. You didn't like walk up to Live Oak going, <laughs> okay, you know, I'm going to play with two NBA pros. It didn't work like that. So Randy would take an A player, match him with a B player and a C player. <laughs> and Randy was in charge. They called him the commissioner. He ran things. And it's funny how he was, he just, and nobody ever questioned him. Nope. He was, he was God. Whatever <laughs> he said went. It was the rule of Randy. He was the commissioner. So he told me a story 
And I don't know if you know this about the first time he played with you and Joel Cross at Live Oak. Do you know this story? Well, I know my version of the story, and I think I heard your version of the story at recent um, get together. But I, I, my version of the story, because it's the only thing I knew, was this one day. Randy and I knew I mean I didn't know Randy's name but I knew who Randy was from watching and he and Joel always played together and they would pick up a third and this one day <laughs> Randy came up and asked me if I wanted to play and I was like oh my gosh this is my big chance <laughs> of course I want to play but I was scared to death that I wasn't gonna do well and and that's what that's how I started playing. So that's all I knew. Okay, so here's what happened: <laughs> is there, there there's a little chunk of the story being left out, and um, I told Joel that you know I was going to try and get a podcast with the great Katie Orr, <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "This is how it happened: is that." People were talking shit to Randy because because, you know, he was the authoritarian figure and it was a pickup and it wasn't in one of those formal, um, you know, where you were going from one court to another. This is my understanding and correct me if I'm wrong. But a guy came up and said, you know, we're going to beat your ass. And Randy goes, he only it was him and Joel. And Randy said, we're going to beat you with her. And he pointed to you, <laughs> Katie Scales at the time. So so the guys go, you're on, baby. <laughs> so I guess that you and Joel and Randy beat the crap out of this team. <laughs> and rumor has it that these people never showed their face at Live Oak again. Well, so I... that's the... <laughs> I no well I never knew that part of the story until um recently so um that's hysterical and um I'm very grateful that um <laughs> to those to those that to those people whoever they were cuz I have no idea whoever they were but um that was my start so <laughs> and and so you started you know you had your chance and I know you did pretty well you know, and, you know, knowing Randy, you didn't have to worry about scoring. It, you true, know? true. Because <laughs> okay. for the, you know, for people that haven't listened to, you know, my podcast much, Randy Larson was 6'5". He played at Stanford. He was on the All-Army team. And, you know, this is an interesting story, Katie, too is that Randy told me after, I used to be his roommate and the man could drink. Uh, yeah. He could drink me under the table. <laughs> and we used to, well, he used to come home from basketball and he would create rocket fuel, which was gin and sugar and limeade. And I'd have like two sips and almost pass out where he could have, <laughs> you know, he could just pound him down. But he told me that, you know, he went to war, he went to enrolled in the army 
in, I believe, 67, 66, right after he graduated from college. And he tried out for the All-Army team. And it was either make the All-Army team or go to Vietnam. Oh, wow. I mean... So the two the two choices were you get to travel around the world playing basketball in Japan, in Panama, you know, in Fort Dix in New Jersey. You know, you got to travel around. You got, you know, you as opposed to and play basketball, as opposed to being stuck in a jungle shooting some poor Asian guy who had you have nothing against being in an awful environment. So he said the competition was really stiff. And another part of this that's interesting, too, is that Randy said there were probably 20 people trying out and eight of them were African-Americans, but they only allowed two on the all-army team and they kept 12. Uh So they, they cut six of them. And Randy told me that all six of the black players were better than him. Oh, wow. But they only allowed two. So, you know, I mean, there was institutional racism in the Army back then. Once again, you're talking in the 60s. But it saved Randy a trip to Vietnam. So, anyway, just a little side note. So you started playing frequently there, and this was probably yes. what eighty one, maybe. Um, this no earlier. This was like, really? oh yeah, this was because it it was before I went to ASU. It was before it was before I even got hurt. So, um, before I messed up my knee. So this was probably nineteen. I graduated high school in seventy six. So this was probably like 19, late 1976, early 77. Yeah. And how did you, I mean, what was it like? You know, I mean, there's no delicate way to put this. You know, what was it like being the only female out there? I mean, were you, you know, you had to prove yourself every game. Well, let's talk about, okay, in your initial stages, Yeah, you had to prove yourself, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I definitely had to prove myself. Um, and how, how difficult was that? And what were the greatest challenges of proving yourself? I, I think, well, I think, well, one of the biggest challenges was not just not getting in my own head about it. So, but, but I think my, my love for the game was so great that... I just was going to play my heart out no matter what. So I had to prove to these guys that I, number one, that I could play. And that number two, that, that I was going to be able to hang in there with them. And um, I also had to be able to put up with, you know, like a lot of trash talk and um, all that kind of thing. But it, it, what, I think one of the greatest challenges for me was being um, because after I'd been there a little while, there were kind of a few types of players in, in relation to how they viewed me. So there were players who completely underestimated me and they wouldn't 
like try very hard and that totally irritated me <laughs> like i love it um so i i um i you know so i was like don't ask you know don't underestimate me because i you know i know what i can do and maybe I can't do everything, but I can do a lot. I had a pretty good little jumper and I was decent on defense. And, you know, obviously I wasn't some big guy, but I had skills and I had a lot of heart. And, and so there were the underestimators. There were the total, like, you shouldn't even be on this court. What are you doing here? Kind of guys. Although, not Tell me about those guys. They, well, they weren't, they weren't so much the regulars. They would be like people because the regulars I got to know and they got to know me, but um, they were more like just coming on like you don't belong. They were chauvinist. They right. were total like, you know, you don't belong here. What are you doing with, with all these guys? And, um, they were super um, condescending and um, just just jerks. But, yeah. But, but I had other guys who like who stood up for me, or you know, who would kind of laugh at them and go, "Well, you don't really know what you're getting into." kind of a thing so that was awesome um, yeah you could you could play I mean I played with you for several years yeah and you would always show up with that big old knee brace on yeah and <laughs> and and you could shoot you could play defense you could rebound you know you played more defense than Randy did that's for sure that's why he picked you <laughs> the man was allergic to defense when he, I'm telling you, he'd break out in a rash whenever he would try, even try to play defense. So, yeah, because I, I remember that. And you were, how long did it take you to get accepted by, say, the 75 regular players that would show up there during the week and during the weekends for the more formal games when everybody would show up and how long it take you for to be accepted? I don't, I, I really don't feel like it took me all that long. One, like, cause mm -hmm. once, once I started playing, then I just was playing there as much as I could. So I was always there on Friday afternoons. I was, I was, I didn't know about Saturday mornings for a while, but once I found out about them, I was there on Saturday mornings and I, um, I, I feel like it, it was pretty quick once I started and then I was gone for a while. Cause you know, the knee surgeries and everything, but, but as soon as I could play again, I was playing again. And, and then, um, and then I was playing all the time when I came home from Arizona. And by that time, I had turned 21. So then, then I got to know the guys both on the court and off the court and <laughs> in the social <laughs> arena as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, you know, it, 
it was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. I, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. So, because I really wanted, because, you know, I, I, you know, I really want to paint this scenario here and, you know, it was funny, Katie and I, oh, we have a, um, we have a memorial for Randy Larson in August. This was the third year we've had the memorial and Katie and I got to talking and everybody's telling basketball stories. And I mean, you were right in the middle of not only, you know, having a few beers, you know, but also (laughs) telling the basketball stories. And all of a sudden it dawned on me that you have a story to tell once again, being the only female there at all. Yeah. I mean, no one, there was no, so Live Oak, Live Oak had a tournament every year. Yes. Actually, what, three times a year, something like that. And what it was is $10 would buy you um, you would be part of the pool for playing basketball. And then afterwards, you could, they were $10 bought you all the beer you can drink. And believe me, we could drink a lot of beer. And if you were eliminated early in the progress, you started drinking early. And I, was, uh, I got eliminated early a few times. So by the end of the day, I'm pretty drunk. But so you played in those tournaments, right? I did. Yeah. Okay. And you were, and how well did you do in those tournaments? Um, I mean, I think I did reasonably well, but then we, we would eventually be, I mean, I never went to the finals of the tournaments, but I mean, I remember going to the party where they were, they would, they were drafting the players Mm -hmm. and, um, I, I don't remember the tournaments as well as I just kind of remember playing at the park, but I did play in some of the LOBBA Live Oak Beer uh-huh. Basketball Association tournaments. Yes. And, um, and yeah, the only reason I stopped was be- because of said uh, the, the knee eventually yeah. decided it did not want to play basketball anymore, but um, way before I didn't want to play basketball anymore. How um, how long did you last there? Um, let's see. I believe I played so probably like from 1977 until I graduated from Cal State Long Beach in 1987, and that's when I moved down to San Diego. But I think it was probably a maybe a year or two before that that my knees decided no moss. So probably okay. 1985-ish. So like nine years, probably eight or nine years. And this is eight or nine years on a concrete court. Oh, yeah. It's hard as hell. I mean, this is not, we weren't playing in some sort of gym, no. you know, where the floor had give. This was a hardcore, you know, really tough on the legs. I can't imagine how many knee surgeries and how many hip replacements <laughs> and so on came out of that. And also, to another thing I want to emphasize 
is we would all meet there at 10 o'clock on Saturday mornings and you would get, you know, Randy would assign your team and then you would play and you would advance from court to court. If you lost, you had to go down a court. If you lost at the lowest court, you had to sit out. And so this was not like, oh, a jolly pickup game where I'm just trying to get some exercise, (laughs) right? No. People wanted to win. Yeah. And they asked no quarter and they gave no quarter. And there were some, you know, a lot of trash talking, a lot of a lot of intense basketball. I mean, this was, and I, I just want, you know, and a testimonial to Katie here. This wasn't like a bunch of guys just accommodating her because they liked her. No. You earned your stripes. You had to be tough. Okay. I did. They wouldn't they wouldn't pick you and they wouldn't assign you unless you know, uh, uh, and they, uh, unless you were good, unless you could hold your own, and you could do that amongst all these players. I mean, I remember one time that you, myself, and Pat Mullen played. Yeah. In in a three on three, and we were we were going, and there were four courts. Okay, because it was in the middle of once again three on three half court. There were two full courts there, so you could accommodate four teams. Yes. And you and I were bound, and Pat Mullen, of course. Pat Mullen played at uh, University of Connecticut. He was all state New Jersey. Um, he's, you know, 6'3", like, and I was 6'3". And, you know, we were bouncing between the top court and the second of the top court. We, we never held the top court even though we made it there, but we held the second of the top court. We kept going up for four games and you were an integral part of the team. And the teams that wanted to get to that top court had to come through us and they were good teams and they played hard and they gave a shit. And, you know, they would have exploited any other girl, oh, any yeah. other female or any male. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. If there was a weakness, they were going after it. For sure. But we held our own. And I was I was quite proud of the fact that the three of us, you know, we couldn't get Emery and Cole. Um, and there was somebody else that, that, was, that was pretty good. We couldn't beat them. But we kept going up to the top court, and you were an integral part. I mean, how did it make you feel? competing with boy with men <laughs> tooth and nail and I, once again these were intense basketball games how did it make you feel that you were the only female out there and you could compete at this level i loved it i because it it, it i loved it because i love to play and and it was a challenge and I felt really proud of myself actually. And, and it, it, um, yeah, I loved it. I, it was, I lived for it. (laughs) (laughs) I did. It was like, you couldn't couldn't keep me away. You know, and this was the preeminent 
basketball um, congregation in the South Bay at the time. And I understand it's still going strong. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was the the preeminent South Bay venue for pickup basketball in in the entire area. For sure. And, and the fact it just astounds me and it's astounded me for years. And I'm glad we were able to get this uh, this uh, podcast together to talk about this, because this is really a freaking accomplishment. Well, it is. Uh-huh. And so, you know, there were not only all the guys, and by the way, what would happen is all the guys and you <laughs> yeah. would compete tooth and nail together. Okay? And we got in arguments in the court and it was intense and people wanted to win. I mean, there was no quarter given and no quarter after. But when we went to the bar, we were all buddies. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Any sort of issue or acrimony dissipated, you know, like a, like a smoke ring in a tornado, you know, when, when that first beer went down. We were all buddies and hanging out and stuff like that. Now, there were a bunch of women that yep. we all used to hang out with, okay? Now, what did they think? of you being the only female basketball player there? Well, I think, first of all, I met all of those women through all the basketball player guys. So, (laughs) um, and some of them became my dearest friends and, um, and, you know, some of them were in my wedding later. And, um, and so- Who's in your wedding? Who's uh, in your wedding? Cindy Puck was in my wedding, and Nancy Parker was in my wedding, and um, yeah, I mean, Jody was Jody. Jody in was in, yeah, Jody was in my wedding, and Renee was in my wedding. <laughs> so, um, that it was a whole social scene, um, for sure. And all those women were like, we were all like, you hear, you hear, um, or, you know, that girl, like girls can be mean to each other and women can be mean to each other and that kind of thing. And it was never that way. Like we were all like super supportive of each other and adored each other. And they thought it was awesome that I played with the guys. And did they really? Yeah. <laughs> They were super supportive. Hmm? That is is unbelievable. No, they were great. And then Katie, Katie Emery, um, well, formerly Gail, but um, Katie played volleyball and going slightly back to volleyball. Katie thought it was awesome that I played basketball with the guys because she was highly competitive. And she told me that she wanted me to learn how to play beach volleyball. So I did, and she and I played in some beach volleyball tournaments together. Um, did you really? Yeah, we did. We did. But um, it's unbelievable. A little aside, but um, yeah, okay. it was it was awesome. They were great. So what? What else? So that's great because I know that there was 
there were a bunch of us. That, I mean, this brings me back into the eighties where we all oh, used yeah. to hang out together, all used to drink beer together. Uh, we all had fun together. And what else should I be asking you? I feel like I should be asking you more about your basketball experience and how it felt competing with the guys. Is there anything I missed? Um, um, I, you know, I don't think so. I just, I mean, Live Oak, Live Oak was a huge part of my young life. And, um, I, it's, it'll, I'll always feel attached to it. Um, all the, I mean, I still keep in touch with, with quite a few people from back then. And, um, it, it just, it was a formative experience for sure. And it was, you know, it was something, I think it was something that taught me that like, if I wanted what, what Live Oak gave me, like, especially after I came home from ASU and I was pretty, um, I was crushed. But once I started playing at Live Oak again, it was just like, I'm just, because that was the joy of the game for me. You know, it was, it was intensely competitive, but um, it, it was the joy. It was that just the pure joy of the game. And um, I, after I came home from ASU, I was play, playing at Live Oak Park and I would um, sometimes drive out all the, all the way out to Yorba Linda to play with this other group of guys. <laughs> <laughs> again the only girl and um and then I played um I actually played semi-pro um after I came home from ASU all over LA for a little while um but that was not with the guys that was with other women but um mm -hmm. so I never did make it to the Olympics but you know I I I loved the game so much and Live Oak was the best experience for me because it showed me, I mean, you said that I was tough and I was tough. Like I could handle whatever anybody said or threw at me. And, but it was cool because, because for the most part, once I proved myself, I was totally accepted and it was just the the people who didn't know me that, you know, might give me a hard time. But um, I was totally accepted and I was one, I was, you know, I'm putting this in quotation marks, but one of the guys, I was just one of the guys and I was another basketball player and it was awesome. Yeah. And I'm going to amend that because when you went to the bar, you were not one of the guys. Well, no, were... <laughs> no, no, no. But it was like, you know, because the first time, once again, um, <laughs> the first time, the first time I started playing with you is that I never gave it a second thought because nobody gave it a second thought, you know, because once again, I started playing in 81 and you were, you know, this was, uh, yeah, this was probably before your first knee operation. And I do remember you competing. I remember Tom Lee, you were guarding me. And Tom <laughs> Lee's going, 
take her to the hoop. Take her to the hoop. <laughs> and I said, I said, okay. So I took you to the hoop. You were right there. I was able to, you know, I'm, you know, six inches taller than you. So I was, I was able to shoot over you, but I couldn't get around you. And I couldn't <laughs> go through you because you were so tough. I had an advantage in height that I made it. But it's not like I dominated you. I said, she is good, Tom. And Tom's like, yeah, but you should have taken her stronger to the hoop. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Katie, this, have you, did you have fun? Yes. <laughs> the podcast? Yes. <laughs> Is this, how do you look back at your, at your live oak years? Um, I, it's really some of the best, best memories of my life really because because it was such a full time like i mean we're talking about from the time i was 17 until i was like 26 27 so you know those are pretty formative years in one's life anyway and um live oak park was um incredibly memorable and I made so many good friends and and I got to play ball so you know what else can you ask for it was awesome you were living the dream weren't I you? was I was living the dream <laughs> listen I want to thank Katie Orr for joining us and telling her her us your her unique story which is very unique and also too i want to thank the audience for listening because this has been a fun cat a podcast and katie you i don't know if you've ever listened to one of my podcasts but i always would leave my guests with the last word is there anything you would like to say well i have listened so <laughs> thank you for that um I just want to thank you, Jim. I want to thank you for the opportunity to even think about this because, I mean, I feel like I've lived many lifetimes beyond Manhattan Beach and Live Oak Park, but um, it was a special time in my life and it was really fun to talk about it and to talk to you about it. It was, it was really fun. I'm glad I did it. Okay. Thank you very much. And this podcast will be published later today. <laughs> Have a good one, Katie. Okay, you too, Jim. Bye.